literally all guys itch their nuts like every 10 minutes. It's a it's a problem. <laughs> so we came back from another trip. Oh yeah. This time not on an island. No, a desert island. <laughs> and uh, you know, we went to Arizona to escape the heat wave that was in California just to be in a hotter heat wave in Arizona. Yeah. Hundred like seventeen degrees. It's so damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. Yeah. You know what I will say though, at like fucking nine o'clock at night, got a hundred and nine degree weather, got a little little sink in the pool. It was nice. Yeah. So you're back to work. Yes, I am. That's happy news. Wow. Yay! Super fantastic. Money is going to be coming in again. I mean, I make money, so... How are you feeling about that? About making money? It's Not nice. about the money part, but... <laughs> I love money. Money, 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 money. Yeah, it's nice. I love it. <laughs> That's all you have to say about that? I mean, what am I supposed to say? Like... Are you feeling overwhelmed this time going back? Are you feeling uh, good? No, like, I feel like I have my moments, but definitely not nearly as bad as the first time. Like, I feel like the first time, the reason why it was really gnarly for me was because I was out for so long. And then when I was coming back, I went to a brand new space. Yeah. And it was, like, navigating in my suite and, like... Like, where did I put this? Where did I put this? And it just felt awkward. And it was just a lot to take in. Yeah, new new place. Yeah. But thankfully, I got to be there for a month. And it was like right at like the end of that month was right when I finally felt like I was starting to get my groove. And then I got shut down again. Yeah. But this time around, I feel like I was just going back home. Like, just going back to the norm. Just got right back into it, huh? Just got right back into it. Yeah. Well, this week has been quite the doozy for me, mm. not in the the best sense of things. Yeah. So I figured the beginning of this little um, prelude part of the podcast, instead of giving our normal how shitty 2020 is and how things are you know getting fucked up, really how shitty Trump is. Yeah, I figured maybe I'll I'll try to hit you with some uplifting news and try yeah. to bring some cheer into this before we start the episode and um so yeah some what do you got babe hit hit me with the posies yeah well i'll hit you with the posies hit me with the posies hit me with the posies so uh one of the stories that i saw that wasn't getting like the mainstream headlines um had to do with sudan and if you were to look up anything Sudan right now, you see how they're in a, f- a financial crisis, mm. a state of emergency with their mm. uh, economy. There's like mass flooding happening in the mm. country. Yeah. But one of the things that was really cool that I saw, which was kind of surprising with an area like Sudan, was after more than uh, 30 years of religious rule, um, Sudan decided to separate basically the government with uh, church and state. Wow. So. For the first time in 30 years? Yeah. Wow. Like, no longer is the government enforcing policies and things based off of, you know. Religion. Yeah, religion. So, you know, for for that region, like North Africa, for them to have that separation, 
it's kind of a big deal when it comes to peace talks and things like that between you know war-torn areas of the country. But really what it's going to do is going to make that area more democratic and hopefully that'll bring some some positive change to the region. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool, yeah. pretty uplifting. Baby, I fucking love that like that was an uplifting story that like stood out to you. Like I love that because like I thought you were going to hit me with like a a, a a puppy and a mailman. No, I was trying to find like real became, stories. Became best friends. And uh, <laughs> you know, it was a lot harder to find these uplifting yeah, stories than you would fuck. think because... You you find one and you start reading into it and you're like, oh man, well that kind of sucks. Like first saw the thing with Sudan with this separation of church and state and then you start reading all the other stuff about their mm. state of emergency with their economy, the flooding, yeah. the war, and you're like, fuck. Yeah. And I guess like the actual people of Sudan are like, we couldn't give two shits about separation of church no. and state, but... I thought that was a, a a step in the right direction. Yeah. So, uh, wow. um, another thing, I don't know how recent this was because when I tried looking it up, it it seemed like this came out like in the beginning of the year, but maybe they're just starting to roll it out. Mm-hmm. But for the first time on our nutritional labels oh, on our food, yeah. they're finally deciding to list sugar and its daily value, basically the percentage. So if you were to look on the back of any can of anything you would see that everything has its percentage. Yeah, so like, yeah, just to paint a a picture. Paint along with us each show. When you look at a label and you look at, you know, fat, you know, sodium, carbs, sugar, protein, fiber, like all that stuff, and it has its grammage, but then next to that you'll notice that it has a percentage of your daily value. Yeah. And you'll notice that sugar never has one. It's never had one, but they're finally going to start rolling that out and people are going to look at their can of Coca-Cola mm. and look at the sugar on it and mm-hmm. say, wow, 87% of my daily value mm-hmm. in this one serving. Yeah. So is that going to make a difference? Probably not. But I mean, I think it's important well, you'll that be, that stuff is out there. You'll be amazed, though. Of I think it will make a difference because I think people choose to be very um, blind and um, ignorant when it comes to their sugar intake. Yeah. Like deliberately people don't want to know how much sugar they're taking because we're all not fucking idiots we all know that sugar is the death of like all of us and so as soon as people start seeing that i think people are gonna be like oh shit maybe i should be like low carb i think that's just kind of the step in the right direction again totally um just because it seems like the world is starting to open its eyes and, and realize that the real problem is sugar and those refined sugars and hopefully the trend is to get away from sugars as a whole. Amen. But speaking of sugar, Ooh. Um, I don't Ooh. know if you heard about this story, but another positive thing, sugar I guess. Sugar story? Yeah. Is, um, so Jelly Belly, the company you know, who makes jelly beans. Not our Starbucks barista. Not our Starbucks barista <laughs> named Jelly Belly. The actual company, Jelly Belly, uh-huh. uh, the founder is launching... A real life Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Oh yeah, like hunt. I basically. heard about this. Yeah, so this is a real thing. Um, again, when you start looking into the details, it's kind of silly, and you're kind of like, uh, okay. So um, <laughs> let me just read this little blurb from okay. the New York Post here. Okay, read the blurb. So 
A childhood fantasy will become reality for one lucky candy fan. In a contest inspired by Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the man behind Jelly Belly, Jelly Beans, David Klein, is launching a nationwide search for one person to take over one of the candy makers' factories and win a grand total of $5,000. Uh, wait, what? The winner gets a 4,000-square-foot factory. Now, what you do with it, I have no idea. Does that mean that you're going to be running it? Does that mean you get to do whatever you want with it? Oh, my God. Make that your house. Forget the candy. They're basically doing the same thing as, you know, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, where instead of golden tickets, I guess they're going to be, like, brass dog tags or something. Yeah, yeah. That are going to be... There's going to be, like, one in every state or something. That just seems weird that there's going to be, like... A dirty metal brass thing inside of my bag of jelly bellies. I don't I don't know don't the specifics eat the with candy. that. Just buy the bags to find the ticket. Everybody loves that movie. They're like, oh, like what a cool thing. All these kids are gonna start getting jelly beans. They're gonna want to get the golden start ticket. Fat. And then no, being gonna in the do- eat, nobody's then, gonna eat a shit ton go to of jelly doctors. beans except for you, candy lady. <laughs> Sorry. But w- then you start reading more of the details and then you're like, oh, well, that kind of sucks. It cost $50 to like enter and to start getting basically Special clues oh, of the where clues. these things are going to be at. So really like the kids, it's not for the kids. Like, Well, no, no child gets to run a factory. Well, the whole thing is they're trying to promote this as the real life Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. Yeah, but, but that's... Which is geared towards children. But also think about that in perspective. That is also geared... That is a nostalgic thing for everyone who is of an adult age right now. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So if you want to you wanna enter into that, um, it's starting with Georgia on September 30th, according to thegoldenticket.com. Whoa. So if you want to really own a 4,000 square foot jelly bean factory, then uh, have at it. And it's all- out there for the taking. Wow. So long story short, I try to look up a lot of like uplifting, happy news source things, and yeah. um, there's really not any out there. <laughs> so, well, I mean, like, there's stuff that's happy. I mean, there's like things. It's not newsworthy, but yeah. it's like, oh, a boy with a cleft lip found a cleft lipped puppy, and they're now in love with each other. Aww, type of was deal. that a real story you found? Yeah, Aww. like there's stuff like that, or like. The world's loneliest elephant was now released into the wild so it cannot be lonely anymore. Aww. Like stuff like that. But Aww. it's not like newsworthy. It's nothing to talk about. It's I just like little. So it's so sweet. It's just little like. My little heart's melting. Like here it is. Here's little these things. Fluffer. It's a fluffer. I don't think that's a. I don't think that's correct. <laughs> not like a sex fluffer. <laughs> I don't think anybody refers to any like little. Yeah, it's a fluff piece. That's what those are called, is a fluff piece. We're going to have to fact check that. We'll fact check it, but... What? What What did I say? I don't know. All right, guys. Well, that's all we have for today. No. Oh. (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) Just kidding. We have a whole episode for you to listen to. Yeah. I don't even know how to transition into this. So today, you know, we're talking about personal growth because this country really needs a lot of personal growth. So we're personally growing. Let's try to harmonize. Personal. What? Okay, you ready? What? No. We're going to harmonize.
No, we're not. <laughs> This is gonna be personal, personal growth. growth. <laughs> You're so stupid. Personal growth. Yeah. AKA keep a crack in your door episode. Bitches. Because that's all you've been hearing like the last three episodes. Keep a crack in that door. Keep a crack in your fucking door, you mother budgers. Whoa. Very <laughs> angry. Anywho. I think this is going to be a good, I think this is going to be a good conversation. I do. Growth. Personal growth. Totally. I figured we'd just kind of start by talking about how much that we have grown within our relationship. And yeah. hopefully this whole episode in general can kind of be, you know, something that people look at and kind of can reflect on their own relationship. Yeah. Or if you're going Themselves. into one, just how much you can change and how much you can change together yeah. within your relationship yeah. for the better. If you allow it to change oh. for the better. Amen. Because a lot of times people grow in two separate directions rather than which is bad yeah, yeah but if you grow in the same direction like yeah. what a great aspect of a relationship where you get to experience all these different things and this growth mm-hmm. you know and uh you know always comes down to that communication and being open and honest with things and yeah talking things out but you know yeah. if you were to look back on our relationship and some of the ideas and things that we did back when we got together yeah. To now, it would look like totally different relationships. Oh. I mean, we got together when we were 16. Yeah. And some of the stupid ideas that we had when we were 16 are now very foolish yeah. to the minds of 28-year-olds because we know everything at this point in life. Are you some sort of love expert? Totally. Let's be honest. <laughs> and uh, I think it might be fun to kind of go down that route and talk about some of the changes that we've made and uh, how they've impacted us, whether for the better. I don't think anything's really, you know, made us worse in any sense, no. but clearly it's, it's like growth night means and day. positive. Like growth is, yeah. unless you're talking about coronavirus cases, but yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. In our growth, we're, <laughs> we're talking all the posies. Totally. We keep it posy, yo, which yeah. uh, kind of is a good segue. <laughs> um, I didn't even mean to do that. Look at you. Look at us. <laughs> look at us. Um. So one of the things in our relationship that was like a day one, not even day one, it was before we started dating. Like yeah. it was the it's foundation. A, it was the reason why we started dating. Yeah, it was the reason why I reached out to you was because we both had a common interest and that is straight edge. Being straight edge means that I don't drink or do drugs. And for that reason, my body is covered in tattoos. I feel the need okay. to very much say... When we say straight edge, we mean very specifically the straight edge, like quote unquote straight edge lifestyle in the hardcore like punk community. One nation under punk to the straight edge society. And I feel the need to say that because I have so many people who know the term straight edge and they know it's like, oh yeah, you're like a straight edge person. Like, you like you don't drink, but they don't 
use it in the sense of like what it was for us yeah you know they they know the word to be like oh you're you're like a straight shooter you're like a goody good you're like a straight narrow you're on the straight and narrow yes yes i have so many people that be like oh yeah like i was straight edge like and it's like no like you weren't and i wanted i wanted to talk about it because a lot of people who are listening probably have no idea what that's all about, what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we're very much removed from that. And the, yeah. the people that are probably listening who are friends of ours or that we've interacted with, you know, we're no way associated with that life that we had back when we were, you know, 16 till like 23, 24. Yeah. Um, unless you are listening. Then, yeah. Unless you are. Then, <laughs> then, hey. Then, hey, hi. Thanks for joining. Why the hell haven't you talked to us since then? What yeah. The what the fuck? <laughs> all the high school friends. Anyways. Um, so real quick, the history of Straight Edge, where it came from, um, it was basically a, you can kind of call it a movement or a lifestyle, Yeah, but a lifestyle it, it, it was a lifestyle choice yep. that was specifically associated with the punk and hardcore scene in the 1980s, mm-hmm. um, started by a band Minor Threat, yep. specifically with the song Straight Edge. Yep. Which was basically this song that talked about not needing to drink or smoke or do drugs, not needing to have one night stands in basically as a way to kind of stick it to the man. Like we weren't going to succumb to these societal pressures and we were going to, you know, mark X's on our fists, go to the hardcore shows and uh, just be in defiance to all the social norms that were in society. Yeah. And also, um, so, I mean, the the big thing with that, too, is especially, I mean, this takes place now, but especially back in the 80s, you know, a lot of those shows, like hardcore punk shows, were happening at bars. And so originally, even before the movement um, had started, a way to marking that you were underage when going to a show at a bar was they would mark a big X on your hand. Yes. So Ian McKay, the the lead of Minor Threat, who really started the movement of straight edge. Like he kind of took that symbol. He used it as and, a, a source of pride to be and, like, yeah, I'm choosing not to choosing. Drink. Yes. Yeah. No matter how old you were. Yeah. We both knew each other and really got into a relationship with each other because we both had that underlying connection to the straight edge community. Yes. Um, and we just kind of came together through that. I mean, that was literally the first thing I wrote to you on MySpace. Yeah. Was, hey, are you Edge? Yeah. And uh, you were. I was like, fuck yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that because of that idea that we had really formed a lot of the opinions in the early days of our relationship. And also, I feel the need to to clarify, like, because, you know, if you've listened up to this point, um, if you're a continued listener, then, you know, you already know that little babe here, you know, grew up in a religious home and had that whole background. And the thing about Straight Edge is um, it had nothing to do with religious views or religious no. values whatsoever. Um, in fact, I mean, uh, I would say a good majority of straight edge people are probably atheist. Um, yeah. It was definitely very much this like, again, like you said, kind of a going against the social norms. Right. Yeah. Um, and very so, rebellious phase. Rebellious, but also in a very positive manner. Right. Sure. A.K.A. Posy. Sure. Posy life. Keep it posy, keep it clean. But 
I think one of the big reasons why we stopped, you know, living that lifestyle and being straight edge, at least for me, was that there was two separate kind of ideologies you could go down with straight edge. Sure. There was keeping it posy mm-hmm. and, you know, being a positive role model, not getting fucked up, not drinking, not doing drugs, not being like a, a shitty person. And then there was the other side of the coin, which was like everybody who basically turned straight edge into a gang, essentially. Yeah. Don't they like beat people up for smoking? And went the militant route. Yeah. And then like when you go to shows in the hardcore and punk scene, there was what were called crews. And yeah. basically they took it as an opportunity to really incite violence on people that yeah. didn't believe those views. Yeah. And it started getting this traction like in mainstream media i mean gangland did yeah. a, a a piece on straight edge one group of kids has found an extreme way to just say no they're called straight edge and that was like at the point where it's like all right i don't want to be associated with this because it's getting this negative you know kind of connotation in in the media and i had people in my family like reaching out to me and be like hey you know, your your grandpa just watched an episode of Gangland and they were talking about straight edge. Are you a part of a gang? And I was like, absolutely not. Yeah. Like, that is not what I'm about. And that was when that disconnect kind of started for me and when things started changing mm-hmm. and we started going down the route. But um, I did not have that personal experience. No. But yes, that was what it was for you. Yeah, that was definitely what gave me the spark of like this isn't for me it wasn't because like i had this incredible urge to start drinking yeah or you know partying or whatever yeah that was the first thing that in my mind was like i need to distance myself from this yeah is that it was starting to get this negative reaction but you know in the early part of our life i think it was a very positive aspect of our lives it kept us out of a lot of trouble because we weren't underage drinking you know it really kept us on the straight and narrow so like i will always look back on it as a positive influence on our life yeah absolutely i still to this day like if i always say if i could go back and change things i wouldn't like i am so thankful that i didn't start drinking until i was 25 and if you are someone out there who, you know, you most likely are, because let's be honest, 90% of people do start experimenting, you know, with alcohol and drugs at a very young age. And um, if that's something that you experienced and you were able to overcome it and like still manage to be in a mature state in your life right now and have your shit together, that's great. But there's so much studies that have shown what that does to your brain as a young child totally and that fucks with you so much and i have personal experience of knowing people who are dealing with really shitty situations in their life right now in their adult years because of an early you know introduction to drugs and alcohol at a young age and i despite everything like i am thankful that i did not start drinking until later in life i think 21 is still a very very young age to start drinking when i think of a 21 year old like as a 28 year old right now like you're still such a fucking baby like you know a lot of you aren't even out of college yet like it's just you're still developing you are still growing and i mean if you if you look at psychology in general and you talk about you know the formation of the brain and the prefrontal cortex 
And when that actually matures, which is the the part of your brain that's associated with decision making, speaking from a uh, psychology major <laughs> in the two years that I did college, yeah, <laughs> um, no, like that prefrontal cortex does not mature until like into your late twenties, yeah. where you actually can make sound decisions. Yeah. So yeah, I I agree. Um, certain aspects. Um, I think most people though start drinking early high school, like 15, mm-hmm. 16 years old, probably earlier. Yeah, I know. Like it was I, earlier for me when oh, I had my first drink. I feel like almost everyone I know personally started when they were like 13. I do think, however, that at 21, you can at least start making some basic decisions when it comes to like morality in. Yeah, yeah, like for even sure. Even if and, you're inebriated, yeah. like you should have the wherewithal to know like what is inherently wrong yes or not and technically speaking i i guess that actually is completely true i think more so where my head gets so stuck is technically speaking most people do start you know you like drinking or at least experimenting with drinking at a much younger age so like in my head i'm like you're still not ready at 21 but actually if you were to truly be sober until 21 until 21 then yeah yeah, that is very much a different story people have their 21st birthday and they go crazy where they can legally drink yeah they've already had quite a bit of experience drinking i would imagine up until that point yeah which was weird like when we turned 21 and we were still straight edge we didn't drink or anything yeah so it was like 21 came and we're like whatever all right yeah another give me some root beer <laughs> i was like oh shit i guess i have to wait like i think a few more years till i can like legally rent a car or yeah. Something. yeah like that's what i was looking forward to yeah like 18 was like all right cool i can get a hotel room somewhere yeah 21 was nothing and then like 23 was like all right cool i can rent a car yeah um yeah. but we lived very different lives than we do now. Yeah. Kind of like I was saying before, in my head, there had already been this disconnect where I was like, I want to distance myself from this movement because of where it's going and how certain people are giving it a bad rep. And also, I think just really quick, you know, your start into straight edge was from personal experience. Like you did, you know, have personal experience of yeah. drinking and, you know, smoking or whatever at a very young age, like, you know, 12, 13 years old. Um, and that's kind of how you got into the straight edge life. Um, my experience was completely different. You know, yeah. it's like I got into the straight edge lifestyle because I have family members with addiction that run in my family. Like you don't necessarily have that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, you know, everyone's reason why they came in is going to be completely different. Um, and I just feel the need to hit on that really quickly. You know, like my whole experience of going into that lifestyle, like I had already been sober, you know, mostly because of like religious views of just like having good morals. And I was like, oh, well, it's illegal. So I'm not going to do it because I just I know right from wrong. Yeah. Follow the law of the land. Follow the law of the land. You know, in my head, I was just like, you know, one sip is all it takes to become someone who I don't want to be. And so when we started transitioning out of that lifestyle and we started experimenting with drinking for the first time, you know, at 25 years old, like I had a much different experience transitioning out of that lifestyle than you did. Yeah. You know, it was a lot easier for you because like you said, like you were just more in a place of like not wanting to be associated with straight edge anymore. Um, And not necessarily that you had like this desire to drink, but that's how you eased into it. I had a little bit of a different situation. When we first started drinking, I had a very strong emotional roller coaster because 
because we hadn't experienced alcohol before and we didn't know what we were doing when we first started drinking. Well, you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, but still, when we first started drinking together, we weren't just like having a cocktail or having a hard seltzer like here and there. Like we were literally doing like six shots and like getting majorly fucked up. And what that did to me was like I kept seeing those family members who have addiction like in myself and I didn't like it. And it I was very conflicted. And then the thing that really changed it for me was when I had my very first cocktail. I had a mojito. And you loved it. I was like, oh, and she like, where have you been all my life? Well, it's just like, you know, and and I guess this is, you know, obviously a thing that most people do go through at a lot earlier stage in life of, of experiencing being able to drink and getting buzzed and just kind of having an enjoyable time versus drinking to get drunk. And our yeah. very first experiences, like for probably a few months solid, was like every time we were drinking, we were drinking to get drunk. Well, I didn't have anything else planned for today. Let's go get drunk. Well, yeah, we were diving we head know. first yeah. into it. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you <laughs> talk about catching up later in life, when you talk about, you know, younger people under the age of yeah. 21, they don't know like that's limit. what they're doing too. Yeah. Like they're just trying to dive head first into drinking and partying. And that's when that decision making ability comes into play. Yeah. Like we were able to navigate those situations even when we were like testing our limits yeah. and figuring that stuff out because we were older. Yeah. Like had you been 18 and yeah. you were doing that stuff, like of course you would probably start making bad decisions yeah. associated with that. You don't have the ability to really take everything and look at the big picture yeah, and for not sure. fuck your life up. Well, and I think back too, and it's like, you know, anytime that we were drinking, like we specifically would only drink at home. Yeah. Like we were in a safe space. We weren't going to like go drive anywhere. Like, so even though we were getting fucked up, like it, I still think it was obviously like a necessary thing to go through to like learn our limits. We also grew and did that together. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like we we're at a party exactly. where other people might take advantage of you yep. or whatever the case was. Like, we were in a very safe place exactly. with you and I experiencing and experimenting with that stuff yes. together. Yeah, absolutely. So, when we start looking back at like other things that, you know, we thought in the early stages of our relationship yeah. and where we're at yeah. compared to where we're at now. Is there anything else to you that really stands out as far as like maybe expectations that we had of our relationship or like, you know, just where you thought our marriage was going to go to where yeah. it's at now? I mean, like there's a lot of things that I have specifically just for my myself personally, but if yeah. you want to know specifically about like our relationship, Obviously, like anyone who knows me and you already know this, like I wanted to be married and done having two kids by 26 years old. Like that was my dream. Yeah. I am now 28. I am married and I thank the Lord God I do not have kids. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that that that's a whole I already feel like that is truly that is, yeah, a whole a other podcast episode, episode of us choosing kind of where our mindsets are at re revolving around kids. Um, but yeah, I am thankful that we don't have kids right now. Um, that is definitely something that I thought that I wanted for my entire life. And that is very much different today. 
I know that we talked about our upbringings and obviously people who have followed us through and listen clearly know probably where we lean politically and things. But um, I say that was a a big difference from us, you know, when we were young in the early stages, even in like when we were married, Mm -hmm. like just allowing us to be more interested and informed in things that are currently going on and how they could affect us or affect people that we love mm-hmm. and friends and yeah. you know political things yeah i think it's a big difference um from our early days in our relationship to where we're at now too yeah i mean like i will try to make this as quick as possible but um if you've listened before then you know like i grew up christian i grew up in a christian home um and i you know just grew up assuming that i was republican because i was christian and I remember very specific moments in my life where I, you know, again, like the two biggest, easiest controversial topics to bring up and to always make a point of when you're talking about politics and you're talking about religion is gay marriage and abortion. And I remember for a long time, I just knew in my heart that something just never sat right with me with the whole gay marriage thing. But I was also young. And naive. Like the opposition to gay marriage. Yes. And I was just young and naive and I didn't really know how to think for myself um, at, a, at a young age. And so I remember for a long time, I would say, like, and I can quote, I would say when someone would ask me, I don't believe in gay marriage, but it's not my job to judge. Yeah. I would always say that. Like, it's not my job. Like, you know, I don't like... I believe people can do whatever they want. I don't believe in it. And I look back at that and I'm just like, oh, you poor, poor little child who is just so blinded by these views from what you were just being told and told and told and told. Um, And anyone who knows me now knows that I, of course, am a, you know, thousand percent supporter of the LGBTQ community. Um, I have people that I know and love very, very much. And I mean, when you are talking about just fucking civil rights, like it just blows my mind that there is still a world of people who don't support that. It just it just absolutely blows my mind. And then with abortion, um, you know, for a long time. I, you know, didn't support abortion because, again, like I was Christian because I was Christian as a Republican and because a Republican, I didn't support that. And then it. You know, and then it grew over time. I remember um, as the years went on and as I found myself slowly growing, my narrative changed from not supporting it to saying that I would never do it, but people should be able to have that choice. Yeah. Like others should not be able to say you can't do that. So I supported abortion in the sense of like, I think the world should or the, you know, the nation should be able to have the right to do it, but I would never do it. And even that has changed. And and I thankfully have not ever had to make that choice. But at the end of the day, I know that how badly I don't want kids right now if I were to get pregnant. And if I did decide to go through with an abortion, like that is my right and it should be my right and it should be my choice. Yeah. And someone else should not be able to tell me, no, you need to bring a child into this world. Totally. So there's that. (laughs) Congregation, I said, can I get an amen? Amen. Yeah. um, 
I feel like growth. Yeah, the the growth that you've had specifically, you know, for yourself, like not even within our relationship, but of course, you know, there's going to be things that, you know, bleed into that. But um, that's definitely the biggest growth I've seen in you over the years is taking, you know, your upbringing in applying merit to the parts that are, you know, positive aspects, like your moral compass that you have and being a good person and holding on to those versus like taking some of the other things that may be looked down at, like abortion or gay rights or, you know, civil rights in general. Like that's where you are able to grow as a person and start thinking for yourself and really decide what is right and wrong and what you believe in because you believe that not because of outside influence. Yeah. And that's been, that's been huge for you. Yeah. Um, well, and, and now that I am getting into an age where I am getting more into politics and all this stuff, it's like when your eyes are opened to seeing what is going on and how the Republican party specifically like lures in the Christian community and how the, how Christians specifically side with republicans like as a general whole i think is absolute fucking bullshit because what happened to separation of church and state (laughs) yeah like if you are a religious person and you also truly do happen to side with conservative and like republican views then you know so be it that's cool But if you are a Republican because you are a Christian, that is bullshit. That's a problem. Like, that is a huge problem. Like, and just the issue of people just following a narrative because of what they are being told to believe. Like, that is the problem. Like, make a choice for yourself. Like, know in your heart. Like, dig deep down. Do the work to figure out what you believe, not what you're being told to believe. Yeah. Sorry. I love it. I love it. Um, Kind of, I don't know if it's off topic, but definitely you were setting the bar really high, really passionate. Sorry. And I'm going to kind of bring it (laughs) back down a little bit. Okay. um, So I can talk about me more. Yeah, let's talk about you more. (laughs) Fuck Um, me. Really the only thing that I see, um, I'm, I'm sure you have seen ton of growth in me but like when i was preparing for this episode and Mm -hmm. thinking about you know what personal growth i've had in our relationship from the early days till now i think a big thing is that in the early days like i had a game plan of how i wanted our marriage to look what i wanted to accomplish how i wanted things to go in order specifically before other things could be accomplished. Do you actually remember what that game plan was? Can you shed light on that? I mean, just the whole concept of like career stuff, then marriage, Mm -hmm. then, you know, family, Mm -hmm. like just the way that that was going to go and being very structured in how things were supposed to go in my eyes Mm -hmm. and what the vision for our marriage was. Yeah. And you know, in contrast to where I feel like I am today and something that I I continue, I think, to, you know, grow on is just the idea of being flexible. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, it took us forever to get married specifically because I didn't want to take that step until I got my career situation in order. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be engaged. I didn't want to be married until I had that checked off the list. Mm -hmm. In my eyes, it was like, I can't move past 
step one, which was career stuff, to go to two to get married. Like I had to complete that one first. Mm-hmm. And then um, just being able to be flexible and let everything kind of coexist together, mm-hmm. all these goals, I think was something in me that I recognize yeah. as growth. Um, yeah. I'm sure you have a ton of different perspectives on things that I've done personally to grow, but this is one that I reflect on. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I think it is something that you definitely have grown on. Um, but if I'm being honest, I think it's something that you still struggle with. And yeah. It's that's something what I said. It's something you, I'm continuing to work on. Definitely continuing to grow on it. And, and that's kind of like, yeah, like that. I guess that that's my whole thing that I was like kind of saying earlier today when I was telling you like um, that like I receive love in an effort of you being spontaneous. Yeah. And I think that that is more so what it is, is you being able to be flexible just because I know how much you've had in your head that like things have to go down a certain way. Um, And I think just like you having the understanding that like sometimes life just does not happen the way you plan it. And that also with that being said, like nine times out of 10, when life happens in a way that you did not plan it, when you look back on it, you're like, Oh, thank the fucking Lord God that it did not happen that way. And I know for your specific career situation, Mm -hmm that it's hard for you to see that sort of perspective probably you're like in no in no sense would i ever look back and say oh i'm really glad i didn't get a job sooner but at the same time like i really believe in my heart if you had gotten your career job the one that you've been working so long for if you'd gotten that at a younger age we would have gotten married sooner we would have had kids we would have fallen into this life that we did not choose truly for ourselves we would have fell into something that we thought we were supposed to do. Yeah. I mean, as we are walking down this path of our life, we're being flexible yeah. and kind of rolling with the punches and taking things as they come. Yeah. But, you know, on the the note of like personal growth, I think there's been a big difference, at least in my eyes, in how I perceive things. Yeah. Uh, specifically, when you're talking about work, like for the longest time, um, work came first for a lot of things. In, stopped us from doing other things because I put a lot of precedence into being a yes man Yeah, where I was currently working and being that company guy and saying, no, I can't travel. I can't do these things that we want to do as a couple because I need to be available for work. I don't want to have any sort of negative thing. And I would really let companies mm-hmm. walk all over me. Yeah, And, uh, you yeah. know, I, I definitely feel like I have a much different... Yeah kind of attitude absolutely currently with that sort of stuff than i did you know five years ago yeah absolutely absolutely and i mean i know you've you've had a big difference in in your work life as well yeah i mean like you know i think a big obviously another part of my personal growth has been going from working for someone to working for myself Mm -hmm. and it's like when I started my career being a hairstylist, um, I per- like not everyone is like this. There's probably a, a, actually a fairly small percentage, I would say, of hairstylists in the industry who actually like knew that they want to be hairstylists from a very young age. I think a majority of people found out like later in life. But 
I always knew that I wanted to do hair. I've always had this just weird obsession with hair. Um, and I don't think I ever knew that I wanted to work for myself, you know, until I was working at a salon, working for someone else. I was the top stylist. I was booked three months out. I was working my ass off. I was taking so much pride in my work and what I was doing and building an Instagram and, you know, doing all this. And I got to a point where I realized I was taking so much pride in it and I gave myself so much value, but I didn't get that from the person who was the owner. You know, it's like they took pride in it in the sense that it made their salon look good, but they didn't actually take pride in like me. Yeah. Like I didn't feel appreciated. So once I realized that, And I mean, obviously, we, you know, you and I know this, but like you were someone who had been telling me forever that I needed to go work for myself. And I was just like, no, no, like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. But you knew like and it's just like it's one of those things that I feel like you've always been that way. Like you're a very like smart, but like level headed kind of guy where like you just kind of know what's best um and then like almost like 10 out of 10 times like when I look back and I'm like oh god you're right you know and now that I work for myself like I can never imagine going backwards I can never imagine like doing it any other way like just being able to create my own space and like take full control of like my clients and my books and like all my purchasing and like running a business, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm everything. I'm the owner. I'm the manager. I'm the receptionist. I'm the hairstylist. I'm like, I'm everything. And I take so much pride in that. And that's, I think is something that's been really huge for me. Yeah. I think the big thing with that specifically is just, you know, kind of relating to what I was saying with my attitude towards, you know, work and stuff is kind of being able to stand up for yourself a little bit and do things for you versus, you know, doing things for the good of the company type of deal. Yes. And like even more so, the biggest thing that I have learned from working for myself that I feel like I would have never learned working for someone else, and this absolutely is basically what we're talking about and and ties into that, but is boundaries. Okay. Like, I am so incredibly thankful for the boundaries that I have learned and it has it has provided me with so much growth. You work for someone else and you're working you're working you're like you're you're a fucking slave. You do anything. You say yes, you come in early, you stay late. You are draining yourself. You learn like, "Oh, I don't need to come in early. I don't need to stay late." I don't have to say yes to everybody. I was making good money, but I was fucking exhausted. I was resenting my clients. I was resenting my work. I was resenting myself. My body hurt. My mind hurt. I had some like medical issues that came up that was a huge sign of stress. And again, just creating boundaries like I got to learn so much about myself. I got to learn my limits of what I can take, 
even this whole COVID experience, I've learned even more than I ever thought I could learn. You know, it's like I was shut down for three months. I got to go back for a month. But in that month that I got to go back, I learned, you know, that I don't want to do seven people a day. (laughs) I don't want to work crazy hours. I don't want to work at night. Like I can make those choices and I have the freedom and it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, to wrap that all kind of up, I think it all comes down to personal worth in realizing that you as a person are, you know, you're in charge of how you want things to go. Yeah. And you should have the personal worth to know that your time is money. Yep. And uh, you are not. You don't have to be a yes man. Just because you work for somebody doesn't mean that that is your life. Like you're working because you need to, to live. Yeah. You're not living to work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but moving on. Moving on. I know. I'm sorry. I go on rants. You know, I kind of want to start transitioning into like current changes in personal growth that we've made for each other or within our relationship that we're currently working on like right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things for sure that's been prevalent in our lives as a couple that affects us personally is like the importance of staying physically fit and working out and the yeah. choices associated with that. I yeah. think that's been huge in both our personal lives yeah. as well as our lives as a couple. Yeah, absolutely. For example, I know for me in the personal growth that I've had, you know, I I've valued physical fitness, but there's been certain aspects of it that have held me back, specifically when it comes to like nutrition and mm-hmm. eating. And uh, because of the relationship that I'm in, you know, I was able to make certain choices to adjust my eating habits, which I think are way healthier moving forward and have attributed to where I'm at currently. Yeah, I like that's my biggest thing is like for so long, like you did not have the best eating habits. And I think the thing that's hard is like when you're someone who's not extremely overweight like, cause you were never someone who was like extremely overweight. Like you, you had weight to lose, but you, you were never like a big guy. And so when you don't have that to hold you like accountable to your eating habits, you don't think your eating habits are that bad. Yeah. And then on top of that, because we're in a relationship, basically whatever I was eating, you would basically eat the same thing. Like you would match, if, you know, yeah. if I was like, we're going to have a big old pizza tonight or something yeah. or like a full-size California burrito, like you would be right there with me. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Full-size California burrito. <laughs> and then yeah. uh, <laughs> that brought you down a road and got to a point that neither of us were happy with. Yeah. And uh, we kept that crack in our door and you more than anybody kept that crack in your door and you did something about it and you made a big lifestyle change. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily about like keeping a crack in my door. You know, it's like I personally, um, you know, as a young child, I was always a very physically fit child. I was very active. I did gymnastics and soccer and sports and swimming and was just a super active child. And then, you know, puberty hit (laughs) like around like fourth or fifth grade and I kind of chubbed out a little bit yeah yep and pretty much ever since yeah like the fourth or fifth grade like I just always struggled with my weight and and again like I personally never got to a point of being like 
I don't think anyone would ever look at me and be like, oh, she's an extremely overweight person. Um, I think most people actually looked at me and was like, oh, like, you're fine. You're average. Like, yeah, but I, I feel like I take a lot of responsibility for that because, you know, I wasn't being a positive influence on your eating habits. Yeah, I mean, not only that, but I mean, it's also like, I mean, <laughs> I blame my parents and, you know, it's sorry, it is their fault, you know, that not that they had they didn't have bad intentions, but it's like I grew up on fucking fruit juice and dino nugs and as we all did, as we all did, you know, and, you know, just growing up on like not the best foods um, and also just not really having an understanding of food and having a, a healthy relationship with food. But for me, it's like I struggled with my weight for a long time. I always wanted to lose weight. And I had specific times where I remember like watching all these YouTube like transformation videos to try to get like super like inspired and like motivated. And it would motivate me and I would feel super inspired. Um, and I would tell myself like I really want to lose the weight. It wasn't until I finally realized that I wasn't actually accepting what was in front of me when I looked in the mirror because I could dress up pretty cute. I could do my hair and my makeup and I'd feel really great about myself. And again, like I said, like most people would look at me and not really think that I was that overweight. Well, little did I know, like I was that overweight. And it wasn't until like I had a, this very defining moment where I looked myself in the mirror and I was like, Sarah, like you are not healthy you need to lose weight. Like what you see in the mirror is real and like, it's not okay. And, you know, like for me, it was like getting out of the car was like a struggle. Going up a flight of stairs was a struggle. And even for someone who was not like, quote unquote, that overweight, the fact that little things like that was a struggle for me was like, no, like something is not okay. And like, I think it was like, once I was able to finally accept that, that's when I was able to make a change. And so that change for me was I, I started keto, I started weightlifting, and over the course of about a year, I was able to lose 50 pounds. It was huge because I never knew that I had that much weight to lose. Like I used to always think in my head like, oh, I probably have a good 30 to lose at the most. But I've lost, you know, I lost 50 and... Could still technically, you know, I still feel like I could lose a little more, you yeah, know? You're killing it. So. And I think that I've jumped on that wagon of making healthier choices. We've yeah. cut out pretty much all of the carbs um, that we can. If there's a healthy alternative to a starchy carb, we pretty much do that. Yeah. And I think that's made positive impacts on yeah. both of our lives when it yeah. comes to health and fitness. Yeah. And we don't, you know, we, we're not technically keto anymore, but we are still very, very extremely carb conscious. Is butter a carb? Yes. Um, which carbs translates to sugar. So we are very yeah. sugar conscious and that doesn't just translate to sweets. I think it's just healthy candy, choices conscious. Yeah. It's just like if there's an alternative that we can do instead of having yeah. a potato, instead of having, having rice yeah. or, you know, bread, like we make those healthy choices yeah. to do something else. Absolutely. And I think that's the the positive thing that we've grown and we've done that we're currently doing in our relationship. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, when it comes to some other things like that we're currently doing or that we'd like to do more of, is there anything that kind of stands out to you 
as far as like personal growth within yourself or within our relationship that you feel needs more work that you would like to see more growth in? Yeah, I mean, like for me, like the physical fitness is one that I want to continue to see more growth. Like I, you know, I want to be always in a place where I don't lose sight that there is always work to be done. Mm-hmm. Um and even if that means like you get to a place where you are 100% satisfied, like let's say like, let's just say hypothetically you're as cut as you could possibly be, you're eating super healthy and you're looking the best you could possibly look, the work that needs to be done is now maintaining that. Yeah. So for me personally, it's like I know that I've lost a lot of weight. I take a lot of pride in that. I am absolutely proud of myself for the work that I have accomplished. But I still have work to be done. I just want to let the record show, though, that you did have the smallest wedding size dress that you could have, double zero. You wear an extra small in most things. Like you have put serious work in, and you need to be proud of those and accomplishments. Because there's a ton I, of people that cannot say those things. I understand that. And that but, strive for those. But I don't care. Like that's the biggest thing that I have learned as a woman is numbers are fucking bullshit. Numbers just a number because I have friends of mine who are not a double zero but have a beautiful, strong, fit and firm body and they are not a double zero. But totally. like but in my in my but eyes are fit. In my eyes personally, like that is something I would rather strive for. I would rather strive for fitness and feeling strong and healthy and being a size four or six. We are not in disagreement that every body is different. And there's people who are, you know, a size 10 or a 14 who are in great shape who are fit. Everybody's body is different. I'm trying to make the comparison that you started at a whatever size you were when you were at your heaviest and you got down to where you're at now. I And I know that. And I'm trying to say that like I take pride in that. And that is something that I absolutely recognize the hard work that I have done. But my work is not done. We agree. My work is not finished. And we that agree. was the only point that I was making. We're in agreement. Great. Great. Is there anything else as far as things that you feel our relationship yeah. can have more work on? Yeah, communication. I want to speak each other's language fluently. That's great. I think communication can always get better. I think that it's the absolute building block to a healthy relationship. And there's always going to be things that we can be communicating better on. Yeah. For example, we can get into it later because I don't want to get into a fight right now. (laughs) Why? But there's things that we need to communicate even from recording this episode that we need to talk about. But, you know, that's part of growing in a relationship yeah. is allowing each other to have that crack in your door and be open to criticism that's constructive to make you a better person. Yeah. Um, I know that I need to not go on long rants. For me, I feel like within our relationship and for us as individuals, one of the things I would like to see more growth in is, you know, our social interactions with others. I think that's a huge aspect of our life that is missing. And we tried recording an episode about this that got lost. And, you know, maybe we'll come back to that at some point. But we have a difference of opinion a little bit on, you know, our fulfillment when it comes to social interactions. Um, I don't like the aspect that we don't have 
a whole lot of close friends that we see and interact with. I would like to experience more of that. And I don't want to get into a deep dive okay, because saying, this like is a whole nother... in a global pandemic and we can't really spend a whole lot of time with people right okay, now. Okay, but that is such a cop-out for how you feel about things. That's you would much hard. rather, because we identified that earlier because of love languages, you would much rather enjoy your quality time with me whether that be sitting on the couch or but doing anything. But that could be with other people. Versus That's still going quality out. time. Regardless of the pandemic, we have never put ourselves out there as a couple, as individuals, to engage socially with other people. And that is something that we need to work on. That's something I've identified that I would like. I don't, you know, you might not see it that way, but whether that's something that we can do as a couple. I would like that, but as me as an individual, that's personal growth that I would like to see more of. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to just be a homebody 100% of the time. I like being a homebody, but you know, maybe we do 70-30 instead of 95-5. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if it is a 95-5%. to Like it's pretty low that we actually go out and do anything. I love going out, so I don't see a problem. Okay, you can't even sit here and act like we've made all these, you know attempts of being social we I don't... never said that we've made attempts being social i just said i have no problem going out i like going out okay we are obviously in specific times right now where that is not necessarily super feasible nor is it smart i'm not talking about covid right now i understand i'm just saying you're feeling it heavy right now because you've been stuck at home with me i was feeling and you it before can't go see people no who was the person who was like let's download the meetup app so maybe we can go out and like meet new people or whatever that was way before covid that yeah. was years before covid it wasn't years we did it here at this apartment no yes we did we did, we did not regardless i look at our relationship as i want to be able to experience as much as i can with you in the time that i have with you because yolo bitches we only live once yeah i agree I like to keep that crack in our door and be open to new experiences. And uh, I think we close ourselves off to a lot because we haven't been open to being social as much as we could be. I'd love to be social. I'm right there with you. Okay. I'm going to hold you to that. Yeah, go ahead. That's basically all I really have. Great. Well, this got weird at the end. Um, I'm not trying to have feelings hurt on this. I love you. I love you. I felt like that started out really good and positive, and then communication got brought up, and then crash and burn. But that's fine. We're at the end here. We keep it real. We keep it real. People followed to us like, "Oh, mommy hit daddy." <laughs> at the dinner daddy table. hit mommy. <laughs> Dude, um, mommy hit daddy. That's a whole other situation. Yeah. No. But uh, yeah, that's gonna be it for us today. We can't, we can't win every time, babe. Yeah. No, fuck that. Like we can. Like, you're the one who's you, you're the one who's upset right now. You get to make a choice. This you has been the choose. MySpace with you podcast, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Um, keep communicating with the ones you love and be open to criticism and talk about things. It's not just me. It's not just them. It's you guys. What? Yeah. (laughs) What? (laughs) We love you. We love 
them. Yep. We love you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. We're going to go. It's been real. Fight each other. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Hit us up on IG. Okay, bye. Did you just pee standing up? What the hell? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, that's different. <laughs> I did not pee standing up. I like to wipe standing up. <laughs> <laughs>